recording in progress. La di da di da. Camera on me. Three, two, one. Hello and welcome to another edition of Inside the Borough, the FAU podcast for and by Owls fans, presented by, you guys already know, FUOwlsNest.com. Oh, man. Whoa, that was fun. What a what a day Thursday was, huh, guys? Holy smokes. I mean, Thursday. I mean, I, I had to take a 24-hour nap after that. I, I go ahead, had to go in hibernation. Uh, definitely was a great day, starting off with uh, FAU officially being announced as a new member of the American Conference at 10 a.m. There's press conference with the American at 12. FAU had their press conference at 4.30. President Kelly, Brian White, everyone was there, um, including uh, uh, Beverly Schnellenberger as well, which was just wonderful to see. Uh, and you think, oh, man, what a busy day. That's it. Nope. Owls had a game that day, traveling up to Charlotte, uh, a place where FAU has yet to lose. But, hey, Willie Taggart hasn't won out of state yet. Hello. What do you know? FAU, they got themselves a win, all right? All we needed to do is travel to Charlotte. Uh, Owls win 38-9. to Great day, great day, great week. Kirk, man, welcome back, brother. Uh, real quick, quick takeaways on, um, on the, the monumental day for the entire university and, and just getting a monkey off the back for the football team as well. I mean, it was huge overall because, I mean, after – after that, in the first half, I was nervous, you know, from that end of, you know, when Charlotte basically took up half of that second quarter, uh, you know, that 95, whatever that drive was, you know, it was a nightmare. We missed the third down tackle that basically extended the drive out for them to score a touchdown and take the lead. So I was nervous going into that second half, thinking, you know, here comes the same, you know, road team owls that we've seen under Tiger. But, you know, I think what the second half proved is when, this team shows up, doesn't make the silly mistakes. The talent's there to beat anybody. I mean, they can, you know, if they get a rematch, well, I mean, UAB is a whole nother story after losing, after losing the rights. But it's like, to me, the talent's there to beat UTSA. The talent's there to beat Marshall. The talent's there to beat West Kentucky. You just have to show up, play their game, and not worry about what the other team does. Because to me, if they play their A game, nobody in this conference can beat them. The talent's there. It's just, and we saw that in the second half. Charlotte didn't have an answer, especially on defense. They could, the only person who was stopping FAU was themselves on offense. I mean, Chris Reynolds made some plays. Uh, you know, it seemed like he maybe wasn't a little mixed up in the second half, but, you know, you can't, you can't apologize for taking advantage of that. Um, you know, one person who just, you know, kind of being Tampa Owls here. Just one person who stood out to me is Evan Anderson. That guy is a game wrecker. He's like our little mini. Well, he's nothing mini about him, but he's like our mini Vita Vea, like watching Buck games. Like the dude, even on plays he doesn't make, he affects the play in different ways. I mean, up the middle, um, dude just wrecks games. Uh, that dude, we're lucky to have him. And it's just crazy to think, you know, he's a second-year freshman uh, making an impact like that of interior defensive line, you know. You don't see something like that. But, I mean, it was a complete second half. So, I mean, everything, um, you know, you from the second half we saw. Yeah, I'm really happy that you mentioned that. I think the only team in conference who say that can beat FAU is, is FAU. 
Uh, and that's definitely what happened with UAB. UAB did nothing special that day in Birmingham. Uh, it, that was all self-inflicted wounds. And you spotted them 14 points three minutes into the game. Of, of course, uh, Tima just won the conference is going to take advantage of that. Uh, but seeing how they handled Rice, you, you better want to rematch. And, you know, we said it a couple weeks ago when we played UAB. We very well could get a rematch. I mean, I didn't think we would, uh, you know, find uh, – <laughs> you know, win the East division after that game. But here we are. We have everything to play for moving forward. We control our destiny. Beat Marshall, beat Western Kentucky. It's all on us. Uh, Evan Anderson, dude, I'm so happy you mentioned him. Uh, The the best part of the night, real quick, we got to talk to Caleb Bryce, who also just completely balled out uh, in his home state. He had like 15 or 20 of his uh, members of his family there supporting him. And and he he said it was a really special day. But uh, he said, Two things that really stood out. One, uh, he calls Evan Anderson uh, uh, mini jelly bean. So when he says nothing mini about him, and he said that's – I'm not sure if Evan ever once said out there, but it's out there now. I'm sorry, brother. It's out there. Uh, that was the first thing. And the, the second uh, important thing is that when Evan Anderson is really able to play that nose tackle position and just, just wreck havoc uh, on an offensive line, he says that's when he really feels like he has the freedom to play behind him and play his style of game. Cause we know Callup isn't a, he's not a big, small dude either. He's, he's no mini what, you know, uh, he, he can probably be a D end if he really wanted to, or be on the defensive line if he wanted to. So, uh, you know, seeing how Callup was, was very complimentary towards Evan and how he said, you know, Evan had a big day, which meant I could have a big day. I, I think that was great to see. I think we're really, really starting to see this defense uh, come together. And I'm not, I am recording. Oh shit. Here we go. My bad. Uh, Really come together. Uh, And you see that with the, uh, with, with how we mentioned about Chris Reynolds, one of the best quarterbacks, definitely one of the most experienced in conference USA. Uh, We kept him at bay. He struggled. He was pulled early in the fourth quarter. I would never think I would see that. Never. Uh, Victor Tucker. Yeah. You listen, he had six, six catches, a little over a hundred yards, but he didn't have that, that big play that big touchdown uh, that killed us like it did Marshall when Charlotte played Marshall at home in 2019. So we've seen time and time again from him. So I'll definitely take it. Uh, Shoot. We're never going to have to see Chris Reynolds ever again. I'll, I'll take that. And I don't mean that in a negative way with him. That's because I respect the crap out of how he plays that, that little flick that he did when he was getting sacked uh, on his own, like two yard line. I think that was actually that 17 play 95 yard drive. You mentioned, uh, just before the halftime. I mean, that just goes to show what kind of baller he is and why we have all that respect for him. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I wish our defense wouldn't give up those, uh, third down conversions like they did on that drive. Um, even a fourth down conversion there, but Hey man, they look good on the goal line. Yeah. They let them score on fourth down, but they stopped them a couple times before that. Uh, and did you see the stat that uh, FE Football tweeted earlier today? Check this out. I missed that one. Oh, you're gonna you're gonna love this one, especially. I, I know you, Kirk. Uh, the FAU defense is now tied for first place in red zone defense. The team that are tied with is this little team called uh, uh, Clemson. Uh, maybe you heard of them. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Listen, they were struggling this year, but they're still the talent they have on that team is insane. Uh, behind us is Cincinnati, who right now is 
what, 60% chance of making the college football playoff. That is a really good group of teams that you want to be involved in. So I, I, I'm just over the moon. Uh, and hey, the, the running game looked great. Don't you think? What, what was your big takeaway on the, uh, on the offense, especially? I mean, honestly, it was that they didn't beat themselves. Because, I mean, it, it kind of goes into the fact that, you know, if, if they don't make the mistakes, they play from ahead. Charlotte wasn't stopping them that, that entire game, even in that first half. The only person who stopped FAU in that first half was FAU. You could tell Charlotte didn't have an answer for them. Um, you know, balance, you know, Nikosi threw 11 passes and and three of those passes went for a touchdown. So, I mean, you know, you got to see the explosive plays out of Johnny Ford running the ball. And with that, uh, you know, with the the receiving touchdown he had too. So you saw the explosive plays. You saw us be able to sustain drives as well. Um, you know, it's the perfect balance. I think you want to see out of this offense. If, you know, again, if, if that second half team shows up, this team runs the table. It's just, can they find that consistency from here on out? Um, you know, it, it, it was the perfect second half. You know, if you draw something up, that's what you want to see out of this team. You know, it reminded me a lot of the Lane Kiffin years, didn't it? Explosive offense, uh, uh, ball hawking defense is going to cause turnovers and the offense quick to strike. Before the other team knows what's going on, they just gave up 21 points, right? Yeah, I mean uh, – at second half, I mean, what was it? When we went from down two to up three touchdowns, like snap of fingers. I mean, Charlotte didn't know what to do. You know, you had been Chris Reynolds try to force the ball, and our defense made the plays that Reynolds gave to him. And, you know, that's what a great team does. Um, you know, it just now they just need to continue with it, build off it. Do, do, do you think, I mean, if they can't do that, uh, the offensive line looked much improved? by the way, especially with uh, BJ Etienne in there. Uh, I mean, I know we kind of talked about it earlier, but do we really start to think that we can pull off the East again? I mean, I tend to think so because it really seems like Marshall's having a down year. Like if there's a year to get Marshall, especially at home, it's the year. You know, we look at our two remaining road games, you know, Old Dominion is not good. So even – if we go out and struggle on the road and, and Virginia, that game we should still win. You know, it's probably going to come down to uh, West Kentucky. Are we going to make enough stops on Bailey Zappi? Um, you know, not to look ahead, you know, not looking ahead, you know, before we talk about UTEP later. Um, you know, UTEP, even though they're six and one, who have they really beaten? You know, what's their quality of victory look like? You know, their control of the games. So, I mean, everything is ahead of us to do it. Um, it's, you know, I want to see more consistency. I would say the key is, is are we going to build off that second half? Because I feel like we've seen this real, we've seen glimpses like FIU. We saw this team show up in that second half too. Can, hell, can we have a great first half? Like, can we come out and just stomp on a team in the beginning? Because that we really haven't seen, you know, even FIU hung around for a first half or we fallen behind, you know, the UAB game, we fought our way back to 14-14. Obviously, let's talk about the Air Force game. It's like, Let's see how we can start again and see, you know, if we can get a first half. Because I don't think we can afford to do that when we go to Bowling Green. Because if we don't show up for a half, you know, Bailey Zappi might have 300 yards passing and a three touchdown lead before we get to half and we're not coming back. And we've proven that. We're not a team that's going to come back. 
Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, you know, for fans that didn't see, Western Kentucky did struggle uh, at Miami um, against FIU, but then in the second half, they just ran right through the thing. Uh, and so that Western Kentucky is probably saying the exact same thing. Hey, if we can put a first half together, then we're golden. Uh, they, they can win the East. I guarantee you that's what they're saying in Bowling Green. Uh, and, and I think a dominant first half is the only thing that's preventing us from looking like we did at the Lane Kiffin years. I remember like the, when we played North Texas twice in 2017. I mean, end of the first quarter was already 21-0. I remember correct. I mean, it's just absolutely insane. So uh, if, we, if we can do those kinds of numbers, if we can be the team that forces the other offense to throw their game plan out the window, then I like our chances because because we've seen what happens. We saw what happened when we did that to FIU. We saw what happened when we did that to Charlotte, who, I mean, you know, I've been respecting Charlotte for a long time now, everything that Will Healy's been doing for a long time now. So if, if we're able to throw Chris Reynolds out of a game, I, I, I like it. I like it. No doubt. And then it just kind of back what you said about the O-line too. I feel like that was like the first game too. We saw them, you know, where we saw UAB, they got dominated. That was like the really scary thing. So I think seeing them have a bounce back game gives us hope because I think going back to 2019, we kind of saw a similar situation where the offensive line was struggling in the beginning of the year under Lane and uh, Charlie Weiss Jr. And then I remember when we all of a sudden got Desmond Noel kind of mid season, all of a sudden everything kind of stabilized and, um, you know, we, we saw the offensive line really take off and start dominating games. Maybe BGITN kind of does the same effect where maybe settle things down and, you know, guys make play. So I think seeing that improvement from the offensive line, um, you know, from week to week was, was a, you know, a great thing to see as well. Uh, so, so to talk, to talk UTEP, we're going to go ahead and have uh, Alex Nicholas. Y'all remember him from the minor rush days in the past. Uh, he now works with 600 ESPN El Paso. Uh, Alex, hey, brother, thank you for joining us. Uh, how you doing, my friend? Hey, no problem, man. Astros in the World Series. Like you mentioned, the minors are in the bowl game, and so I can't complain right now, man. Yeah, you're, you're talking to two Tampa Owls are still upset about the Rays losing in the playoffs. So we're, we're not talking about baseball here. Uh, but, <laughs> hey, we are talking about those bowl eligible minors, baby. I mean, it. it a story of the year, I would say. A quick shout-out to my friend Alex, who goes to UCF. He was actually in El Paso against that win over La Tech um, last weekend or two weekends ago. Beg your pardon. Uh, I mean, great, great story. Demel really looks like he has turned that program for the better. They have more wins now than they've had, what, in the last three years? What? So if you can, Alex, what really went into this, this turnaround in El Paso? You know, the first thing I look at it, you know, it's a product of, of a very manageable schedule, something UTEP hasn't had in quite a while. Um, you know, UTEP has had to front load those money games and pretty much come out, you know, on, on the opposite end of, of those for a while. And now this year, you know, it's set up real nice where you had, you know, two winnable games where you think, okay, UTEP starts 2-0. and And then you get into those possibles, the New Mexicos, the Old Dominions, the Southern Misses, and, and not even to a point La Tech. La Tech is out of that, and it's happened for UTEP. So that, to me, is one of the main things is UTEP is a product of an easy schedule. And I think program development and player development, that's really another area that I look at. UTEP isn't recruiting the three or four stars at the FAUs, the UTSAs, North Texas, uh, the La Techs are, you know, they're getting guys that, 
you know, just to be honest, no one really wants in a sense. And that development to me has been keen for them over the past two or three years. And that perfect storm of the easy schedule plus some player development has what we have here where UTEP's reigning in wins, something that we haven't seen. Like you said, it's been quite a while. And I think those two formulas have worked out for UTEP and it's been a perfect storm for the start so far. Obviously, uh, so Alex, how you doing? Um, you know, just looking at the team, you know, obviously you brought up, you know, some people would point to, you know, the six and one record, you know, probably kind of what you mentioned, kind of a, you know, an easier schedule to start off. But I feel like you have pulled off some, you know, Conference USA games. You mentioned the La Tech game, you know, normally games they don't win. Um, you know, is there, what's the difference? Like, are there any playmakers that we should be on the lookout for? Or, you know, who are the impact players, whether that's on offense or defense that, you know, as our fans, we should look for? I think, you know, at first starting off, you know, looking at UTEP's main strength, it's their front seven on defense, and it really parlays into that front four. UTEP switched to an even front this year uh, where they had been kind of going 3-4, 3-3-5, you know, even a little bit of a 4-2-5. But really the key to me has been what they've been doing with this front four. And you look at those guys up front, uh, Jadrian Taylor right now, I think he's up there in Conference USA, one of the top uh, sack leaders in Conference USA with six and a half. Praise Amawale, who's been, uh, you know, a three-year guy, a three-year sophomore, that's a third-year sophomore, excuse me, that's really been has made plays since he's walked on campus. And then one of the key players that I think in the middle of that defensive line is Keenan Stewart. This is a guy that that's a Juco transfer could possibly be um, a sneaky fifth to seventh round. He's going to make somebody look good if somebody doesn't pick him up fifth, seventh round. Um, and he gets an undrafted free agent contract because I think he already has that type of talent. And that's really where, where UTEP's hung their hat is their, is their pressure. Um, and not only just their pressure, but to be able to stop the run. And it starts with the defense. You know, this is a UTEP team that's sort of struggled to, to be consistent in what they want to do in terms of running the ball, but they've been really bailed out by great defensive line play. And I think that's something that UTEP hasn't seen really since the early 2000s. You got to go that far back to see the great defensive line play that UTEP's getting. And it really starts with those three that I mentioned, Jadron Taylor, Praise Amawale, Keenan Stewart. Those are three guys that you really, really want to key on, I think, if you're FAU, uh, particularly if you want to get something of, of a run game going. And you got to push those three fellas around. And it hasn't been easy because not only are those guys big, but they're athletic and they create havoc, you know, and that's really been a big key for UTEP this year is having those three guys along with, with some talent and some depth in the secondary to be able to help out as well. Yeah, Alex, and I, I'm, I'm a big fan of um, uh, Jacob Cohen, uh, Cohen Cowing. I, I, I couldn't get his last name right, but I, he's like top 10 in, in total receiving yards right now in the nation uh that's no joke that's not a, a type of offensive uh firepower we've seen from the miners in, in quite some time um but uh, you know on that note you know you you mentioned the early 2000s and you know that strong defensive line play that UTEP got uh was known for at the time <laughs> for a long while since since uh they were in conference USA UTEP UTEP was was known as a Athletics wide, you know, basketball especially comes to mind as a program that has a very strong following and can definitely put itself in a good position when it comes to climbing the conference ranks. So here we go. It's all anyone's really talking about is conference realignment. Uh, UTEP uh, seems like they're going to be one of the schools that are left in Conference USA. So to recap, you already have your six USA schools going to the American. Uh, some news today, uh, Southern Miss 
they're going to the Sun Belt, guys, just so you all know. They're, they're done. Uh, Old Dominion and Marshall are like 95% to the Sun Belt as well. I mean, it expects uh, some news on that in this coming week. So that puts Conference USA in a really tough spot. And we, we know all about UTEP and how they especially are on a geographic island out there in El Paso. So uh, what do you think it's going to take to kind of get the city excited again? Uh, do you see some of that excitement coming back already this year? Um, and, and how do you think UTEP is going to look out into the future? And same goes for Conference USA. What, I guess, for lack of a better term, what hope do you have? for Conference USA moving forward? You know, I, th I think you are starting to see the, the the wagon circle a little bit around this program, particularly overlooking FAU, you know, looking ahead to the UTSA game. There's already that chat on Twitter. So I think that type of excitement is expected with six wins um, and a tough game on the road this week that obviously people are overlooking. But, you know, looking at where UTEP stands in Conference USA, I think their best bet is to stay put. You know, UTEP hasn't invested the money that FAU has, UTSA, North Texas has into their football program. And that's that goes to facilities, um, you know, the little wrinkles that comes with it and also paying coaches. And that's really, to be honest with you, UTEP has to bite the bullet and say, hey, we got left behind. Um, you know, as tough as that is to, you know, you always want to be in those sexy conferences. You want to be with the big names, but UTEP's been left behind. And unfortunately, that's the reality of, of where UTEP is at. So staying in Conference USA and, you know, inviting teams like New Mexico, it's, I'm cringes me to say this, but inviting teams like New Mexico State, Tarleton State, um, Sam Houston State, some of the rumored teams. I mean, this is sort of Conference USA 3.0. And I think UTEP really has to grab the bull by the horns and invest in themselves to not only get out of this, what could be a, a newly formed conference down the road, but to be able to be the cream of the crop in this new formed conference USA with some of these F, quote unquote FCS schools that are going to be coming up. So in my opinion, UTEP's best bet is to stay put, uh, become a CUSA pillar and the CUSA kind of a talking point for, um, you know, the, the CUSA powers that be. But, you know, it, and it goes back to, like I mentioned, just UTS, uh, UTEP just did not invest in themselves really since Conference USA 2.0 started back in 2013 where UTEP had possibly the top facilities in in the conference but time has passed and that you know time waits for no one you know and that's where UTEP's got left behind so to me as you know as unsexy as it is you know to say you know UTEP's best you know bet in division one maybe success wise revenue wise and just having consistency would be to stay in conference USA in my opinion. You, wow, you really want to give New Mexico State a, a lifeline, huh? For, for, for fans that don't know, um, the Miners from El Paso and the Aggies from Las Cruces, I mean, that is a, that is a bitter, bitter rivalry. Yeah, you know, it is. But at the same time, you know, the way that I look at it is that opens up a, an out of conference uh, slot for either team, you know, go get yourself another money game, you know, you want to put you want to get that training table, go play Texas every year, you know, you want to get those new uniforms, or you want to get that new, uh, you know, jugs machine, hey, go play, you know, the Florida next year, whatever it is, it's a random team. But, you know, I, I think it's time, you know, for New Mexico State and UTEP to be uh, border uh, border foes. I think it's been since the 60s. Somebody will will correct me on Twitter when they listen to this podcast, the old border conference. But I think it's time, you know, as bitter as it is, you know, New Mexico State has been there for UTEP with certain things. And so has UTEP with, with COVID last year, letting them use their facilities. So I, I think it's time, um, you know, to kind of put that bearing down. And I know, you know, you talk about Louisiana Tech and kind of the same row where they don't want 
have no other Louisiana programs or regional programs here. I'm kind of looking differently. Um, you know, it's time. UTEP's at that level now, so it is time to bring them in. And that's, to me, that's what's going to help UTEP is bringing in a team like Conference USA or bringing in a team like New Mexico to Conference USA. So whatever can help UTEP, even if it's your, your, no, your nosy, smelly little brother from 45 minutes away, you know, let's do it so that way we can still play Division One athletics. That, that's how I look at it. You know, I don't want to drop to I don't want to drop to FCS. I don't want to go the independent route. You go the independent route. It's killing New Mexico State's program right now. So that that's how I look at it. Being being a little bit, you know, rewarding little brother down the road a little bit. Wow. Does that sound familiar, Owl Nation, to a little situation going down in uh, West Miami? Um, but, hey, I digress. Uh, Alex, real quick, man, um, where can Owl fans, uh, if you're not following him, guys, I mean, he – I'm telling you, he's been on the, the UTEP train for a long while. He He's had a, a suffer through a lot. So give him a follow. Alex, uh, where can our fans follow you on social media? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at NicholasAlex915 at N-I-C-O-L-A-S, Alex915. And also check out 600 ESPN at 600 ESPN El Paso. They are the flagship station of UTEP Athletics. And you'll see a bunch of previews up there throughout the week from Adrian Broaddus, one of the key beat writers there. Um, and also, uh, if you, they, they also podcast like coaches interviews. I know today they had like Gavin Hardison in studio and stuff like that. So you, great resource there, 600 ESPN El Paso or KROD.com. They're the local UTEP. Uh, they're the flagship of UTEP football. Rock on. Thank you so much. Uh, and to close, Alex, you can be honest. It's all right. It's a safe space, brother. Uh, do you have a prediction for Saturday's game? Yeah, I really do. And it's going to be, you know, I'll probably hopefully I get some FAU followers for this. Uh, but yeah, I think FAU pulls this one out. I, I don't think UTEP the next two weeks, UTEP's going to face the best quarterbacks that they've seen in Perry this week and Frank Harris next week. So, you know, I think that's the big difference maker in this game. Um, I'm going to go two scores. I think it'll be a low scoring game. Um, I think UTEP will keep it close just with their defense. But I see I see uh, FAU with a 24-10 win or maybe even some late scores to kind of put that put it away but yeah I think FAU looking at what they did to Charlotte last week I could see something similar um, in UTEP even though the UTEP train is riding mighty right now but you know like I mentioned that that quarterback situation there that, that FAU has it looks plentiful in, in my eyes and UTEP hasn't faced a quarterback like that so I think they're going to struggle just a little bit there. Kirk what say you on your uh, prediction for Saturday night homecoming night in paradise? It always makes you feel better being at home because you kind of never know what you're going to get from us on the road. Um, I think FAU just has better talent across the board. Like I could see FAU still being able to pull this game out, even if they maybe lose the turnover battle by like one or two and they play their C game. And I think UTEP would have to bring truly their A plus game. So I kind of maybe see a similar thing. I, I think UTEP's going to hang around maybe for the first two and a half quarters, three quarters, and maybe FAU scores a late touchdown with like Trani or something. 31 13 ish early early week score you know pending some changes but I, that's kind of what i see i'm around the same boat but i i expect utep to come out swinging um yeah there's a lot of talk of of the minors maybe looking ahead but i mean this is going to be the most excitement that program has seen and again no disrespect alex and and over a decade and I, I think they're going to really ride that. I think they're really going to want college game day coming to El Paso, which would be well-deserved. Um, because of that, I, I don't think we're going to cover. I, I have FAU winning, 
Uh, but I think it's going to be 31-24. Uh, something that makes me feel a bit better is I saw a stat earlier today that uh, UTEP has never won a game in the Eastern time zone. Fun fact. They have uh, one tie, and that was to West Virginia, like in 1980. So uh, so there you go. Uh, Alex, hopefully you're not going to block us for, for any of that brother no i was gonna bring that up too i should have bring that up brought that up in my prediction because that's a that's always a, a quirky stat that us utep <laughs> like a utep types like to bring up and, and that's why I, that's why i put my prediction because until until the miners can break through on that and isn't that one of those weirdest stats you can think of that's <laughs> how i always look at it too so yeah no no love it's facts man and the facts is the facts are utep has struggled on that part of the, um, that part of the country well, you know, the thing is, brother, every program has those stats. Uh, FAU has never won a game outdoors above like 4,000 feet. FAU has never won a, a game when the uh, starting kickoff temperature is below 40 degrees. You know what I mean? There's all all these things um, that, that definitely get to student athletes, you know. So uh, all in all, Alex, hey, man, it, it's been too long, brother. Uh, thank you so much uh, for chatting. I definitely miss our chats, uh, especially about – UTEP basketball and Omega Harris and those really impressive teams over there. So uh, thanks so much for joining us, man. We really appreciate it. Hey, no problem, Jack. Kirk, thanks a lot, man. Appreciate you guys. Good luck this week. Good luck the rest of the way, man. Appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, so Al Nation, that's going to go ahead and do it uh, for this week's episode. Uh, Alex, thanks so much for having uh, – thanks so much for joining us. Uh, you know, man just got off of work over there. It's like still 5, 6 o'clock, so man's probably hungry. Uh, so we appreciate his time and Al fans. It, it's definitely, definitely a tough test. No doubt about it. Uh, UTEP. Yeah. They have the second, the lowest, uh, strength of schedule this year, but you know, you play the team that's in front of you and they've done that and they've done that soundly. So it's definitely going to be a tough competition, uh, top of the table clash, like we said, but it's going to be homecoming. It's going to be a great opportunity FAU. We have, everything to play for. We control our destiny. So we got to take care of our own stuff. So uh, on behalf of Kirk and myself, uh, we want to go ahead and thank you guys so much for uh, listening. You guys on the drill. This is going to go up on YouTube and on FUOwsNest.com on Tuesday, Spotify and uh, iTunes or Apple Podcasts on Wednesday. So uh, thanks so much for following guys. Thanks so much for listening and go Owls.